welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Daily Thunder, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A R. Y-S-E.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham. Uh, joining me today, as pretty much as usual at this point, Dan and Amadou. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm trying to think of a Zach Weiss uh, imitation. Ladies and gentlemen. No. Yeah, always good to have us on. Um, yeah. Always, always great to have both of you on. I'm also having a, a good afternoon slash evening here. Uh, what do we have to talk about today? Well, uh, the conference, the press conference with Kobe Altman finally came. Uh, everyone had kind of been, well, cough, cough, same amico, had been kind of freaking out about how, the, well, there wasn't a press conference. You know, the, the front office is really, really quiet right now. Like, there must be something happening. Um, basically, from how he explained it and... What it seems like it was is everyone just kind of took a week off, um, and that was both the front office and the players. Uh, he kind of opened up by saying that he wanted to give the players uh, some time to just kind of decompress before doing exit interviews, and uh, same thing for the front office. Just kind of have a week to get away and just kind of, after a really long season and a weird season like this one, just kind of you know have a chance to take a vacation or just not think about you know basketball for a little bit. And obviously they're all back now, and uh, Altman got to do his interview. But, yeah, we got to hear him talk. It was nice to hear. Um, obviously, he's not a guy who is, you know, doing things like this too terribly often. So, it is valuable to hear him talk when he does. Um, and we got a lot out of it. We talked about, you know, a wide variety of topics just kind of surrounding the team. Overall, had a very optimistic, you know, outlook on things with everybody, really. And, obviously, there were certain situations where he's not going to reveal too much. I mean, he's not just going to give out insider information or, you know, personal situations like, for example, the Kevin Porter situation. But overall, I'll start with you, Amadou. What did you think of the uh, press conference? Did you like what you heard? Obviously, like we said, it was, you know, very positive from Kobe. And uh, some people in the media didn't like that approach that he had. But um, what did you think from what you yeah, saw and heard? Um, I definitely like that he had a lot of optimism. I don't see why, you know, media guys are going to like that. I mean, you want to keep a positive aspect for the team looking onward. Um, I like that it seems like the Cavs as a whole are in the right spot. They're all thinking the same things. This team should be a playoff team next year. Um, I'm glad uh, Kobe addressed that. He talked about looking to surround pieces alongside Garland and Sexton, and those two were the big topics of discussion. He also stated that Allen and Sexton are both guys that they're looking to lock up long-term this offseason. So I'm just glad that he's just clearing up the air, essentially. You know, we've done a lot of reports, you know, the last couple of weeks of Sexton potentially being moved and stuff like that. Just things like that were just, were just shut down, and I like that. Well, we can start with Sexton. Um, obviously, he did, you know, take plenty of time to talk about him and was very just kind of praising his development and his impact that he had on the floor this year and talked a lot about how he expects him and other guys to, you know, really take big leaps coming into next season as well. Um, you know, for all of the, you know, 
rumors that we've heard outside of the organization about, you know, will Sexton stay this summer? You know, is there any chance that they trade him? Um, Colby Altman did highlight that he says that he thinks that, you know, Sexton and Garland play really, really well together and that he likes that fit uh, and kind of talked about how he thinks that kind of size around those guys is going to be the key to moving forward with this team as far as, you know, what they look to add as far as acquisitions go. Um, did kind of was kind of asked about a Sexton extension and when we would see that and really didn't give a firm yes or no as to what his plans were this offseason. But um, basically just said that there was a lot of time for that and that, you know, it's not not exactly, you know, sure yet when that will be done. So it's it's not like, you know, we've been talking about, is he going to get a max? Is he worth a max? It doesn't seem like, you know, he's just ready to hand that out. We will have to see if an extension gets done this offseason or not. But, uh, Dan, what did you think of the whole interview, or the whole press conference, rather? And uh, were you kind of in the same side as to where you kind of liked what you heard? Well, there there's going to be um, kind of some GM speak uh, company. Of course. Way of speech, and you kind of have to read through that a little bit. Uh, but I, I'm not going to really take a ton from it. I think the whole... Stuff, what he said with Kevin Love still being kind of like a valuable piece to the rebuild was a little bit, I'm sure fans probably will, were kind of, it's a bit of a head scratcher, but I just think it kind of shows that um, if Love can be healthier like he was the prior season, uh, still can be valuable um, on the floor just from like a spacing standpoint, um, defensive rebounding and playmaking uh, perspective and um, at least that in theory is good. Uh, and I just think at this point, it just shows like, it's just going to be a situation that it's just, they kind of have to live with it at this point. Um, and whether or not they agree to something like a buyout or, or what have you, uh, we'll have to see, but, um, I, I like what he said about the core, um, and them kind of supplementing that, um, around those guys, uh, I thought there was some conviction in that and that was, that was a positive to me. Yeah. There was kind of talk about, again, you know, putting pieces around that core similar in a way that, you know, there was a reference to the Atlanta Hawks and the rebuild that they've had on uh, Kobe, you know, did draw some similarities between the Cavs rebuild and the Hawks rebuild. Uh, the Hawks are currently, you know, in year four of kind of that post, Corver, you know, Millsap, Horford squad and, you know, are in year four now and are in the playoffs. Um, and I think the approach that the Hawks took in the offseason uh, could be similar to the one that the Cavs take in this offseason, kind of just according to what Kobe said. And obviously the Hawks were a team with cap space and they were able to go out and sign uh, Danilo Gallinari and um, Bogdan Bogdanovich and, you know, Rajon Rondo and other guys as well. Uh, the Cavaliers don't have that cap space to work with, but um, could still kind of see them try to put, you know, some veteran pieces around that young group that they have uh, in a similar way that the Hawks did. Um, and talking about the love part, yeah, uh, definitely was very, very positive about love in that. Um, I'd say, at least based on the way he talked in that, there's almost, I mean, we, we've talked about, you know, the, the possibilities of a buyout this offseason. Uh, I'm sure if the, if the right trade came along, we'd still see it get done. Uh, whether that will happen or not, we'll we'll see. I don't think it will, but um, doesn't really seem like a buyout is even in the cards right now. Not not this off season, at least. Uh, talked like you said about how they will rely heavily on Love next year. Uh, you know, both on and off the court. Uh, you know, talked about how he he does still have a place on this team, both on and off the court, and just about you know uh, talking about. Garland's rise kind of late in the season and how that was kind of happening at the same time that Love was getting integrated and that that wasn't a coincidence. Obviously, on here, we've talked a lot about Okoro and how he benefited from Love being on the floor and just Love spacing being an impactful thing. Um, are you kind of... Where, where are you at with his comments on Love, Amadou? Do you, do you like what you heard? Um, did you hear... Was it ex what you expected? Um, I feel like I'm kind of still in that boat where I believe Love can still be an impactful player for us. And I feel like his comments kind of insinuated that. Just talking about how, like, I know um, one of his comments was discussing that Love's frustrations were losing, not necessarily with the team. And I feel like that's that's definitely the case. I think winning will fix all of Love. And also just pointing out the health. You know, we need Love to be healthy. 
um, especially paying him as much as we are to be in the role that he is. I feel like health is a big factor for him. But overall, I mean, I understand, you know, keeping a positive note with love. I mean, you don't want to just go out there and just bash the guy. Obviously not. Um, he's still, as of right now, uh, keep peace to your team. Um, he's a vet. I think he's, is he the longest tenured Cavalier currently? I believe so. It's, yeah. So that that's a guy. You just have to keep a positive mindset as of right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy with the comments that he made on Kevin Love. Yeah, the way that he said it was that Love, you know, it has been frustrated with losing at times, but he, he sees the future and obviously, you know, will probably buy in more to playing on a team that is competing. Um, talking about, you know, just as far as Love's relation with the team, uh, he had noted that, you know, if his outbursts on the floor reflected who he is as a person off the floor, uh, his teammates wouldn't view him the way they do, obviously, you know, saying that his teammates love him. Uh, and did note his health, uh, saying that, you know, he, he wasn't 100% healthy this season. Even when he did come back that second time, he was still kind of dealing with some stuff. Uh, basically, just saying that he needs to get his body right this offseason. Um, saying that there's going to be a lot more basketball uh, this summer rather than, you know, past offseasons. We've kind of seen him just, you know, take more of just a rest and relaxation, you know, approach to the offseason, which is fine for a lot of guys. But um, especially after the season they just had like this one. Um, it's going to be a lot of time in the gym, a lot of time in the weight room, and just working more so on basketball things and getting ready for next season. And, I mean, we've talked a lot about, obviously, love on here. And if a buyout was something that he would consider, like maybe you consider it, I still don't really think it's worth it. I think eating that much dead money is still just not something I personally would be willing to do. Uh, like I said, if the right trade came along um, – I feel like you would have to take it if you can. But I just don't think that they're really, at this point, makes much sense in, like, waving Kevin or buying him out even. Like, I think, especially if he is going to be engaged and involved more so, um, I feel like having him is better than having that roster spot. Like, he's still... I understand what Kobe's saying, and obviously, like, it'd be better if they could figure something out, but they just strip flat up might not be able to. And... Like, it's not going to be the end of the world if he if he begins the season on the roster at the beginning of next year. And from that spacing element, I think he still could, you know, truly have an impact there. Um, and we'll have to see if he can have improved health. I mean, we've talked a lot about just how he just doesn't look like he's moving right on the floor. Um, obviously not, you know, close to what he was as a rebounder and just not an explosive player at all. Um, if he can get even a little bit of that back, you know, there is reason to believe that he still can have a real impact on the floor, uh, especially on a team that is competing and doesn't have to rely on him too heavily. If, you know, guys like Darius and Colin can continue to take a lot of the offensive load and maybe a draft pick can do the same, you don't know. But, um, where are you at after a conference like this, Dan, with him? Um, are you basically? Uh, I, I have accepted that Kevin will be on this team at the, uh, on will be on the roster at the beginning of next season. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I would expect that fully. Um, I'm not saying I'm really crazy about it either way, but yeah, I think at this point it's it's more likely than not that that he is, and um, the off season should help. You would think. Um, him to be able to kind of maybe get some rhythm back uh, in the gym. Um, but it's uh, – I think, again, they need to have that conversation with him that you're not going to be playing more than 26 minutes a game. Uh, because at this point, what what even if he is playing reasonably well, it, we don't know what – what it will actually mean for, as far as potential trade value. So – I just think if he if they have that conversation with him again, maybe they have. I, I'm not sure. Um, they just need to. I, I think he needs to mentor. Like they need to say, like you, you you're going to mentor guys like Dean Wade, um, guys like that. Uh, maybe like help Lamar Stevens as a shooter because he could be a guy that could be playing a four um, spot again as he did mostly last year with those with injury like kind of potential for love and ants. I think it's, he needs to work with guys like that in the off season too. It's not just all about him. And I'm not saying he's not a guy that is willing to do that. I'm sure he is. Uh, but I just think they need to say like, 
Like we we need to see more on floor, like in gym kind of leadership and, and mentorship for you. I, I don't know. Maybe he is, but uh, they just need to help him uplift those other guys because there's just such a huge injury risk with him. There definitely is. And like you said, if he can get his body right this offseason in a way that maybe he just hasn't in the past, maybe he will be, you know, capable of being a little bit more durable. We're just going to have to see. But are you kind of in the same boat, Amadou, as to where I think it's pretty safe to say that Kevin Love will be a Cavalier at the beginning of next season at this point? Yeah, definitely. Um, Like you said, a buyout, just I don't think it's happening. And a trade, I, I don't think we'll be able to get off his money without us giving up an asset on top of him. So I just don't see the point in that. Um, but like Dan said, being that type of mentor to the young guys would be a plus for him. Um, playing in that, you know, 26 minute range, uh, while still continuing to, you know, get some DMPs now and then with the rest and such, I feel like is the, the direction to go for the team. And I think that's probably the best direction for us to go. And obviously, like we had said before, um, along with other guys like Kevin, and he talked a lot about, you know, the progress from this team coming from the inside being internal progress, um, just obviously the young core getting better and just guys getting healthy, uh, being Kevin, Larry, uh, Tarian, and others, um, just having people available more so more often uh, will be a good way for this team to, to win more games next season. But it also meant to mention just kind of supplemental pieces around that core along with the one pick that they're getting. Um, talking about, you know, maybe adding some vets. And like I had mentioned earlier, talking about, you know, the best fit around Colin Sexton and Darius Garland being maybe, you know, some more size, some more length. Um, like I said before, the Cavs obviously don't have cap space, but Kobe Altman did bring up that they will, you know, have their full mid-level exception and that he thinks that there are some interesting guys to go after there. So maybe we do see um, the Cavaliers actually go out, go ahead and use that this year on a real impact player. I and mean, the way he's talking and the other options that he has to add somebody like that, it seems pretty clear that, you know, the Cavs' plan is to probably use that. Um, and obviously, we'll we'll have plenty of discussions as to who the guy that they get there may be. But, um, yeah, do you see, Abu, do you see any other real ways of improvement? Do you think, I guess, like, who do you think, looking at guys with size, um, do you see anybody, like, on a mid-level right now that would be a good target or a good fit for this team? Yeah, I mean, it just depends what they mean by size. Um, if they're looking for, you know, I mean, somebody with length, I would think Frank Nilakina as a backup point guard would be a nice find for MLE. He hasn't really played much for the Knicks um, all season. Maybe could have like a bounce back type of year with the Cavaliers. Um, looking at other guys, uh, I know Dan is talking about a potential trade for a guy like Terrence Ross. I feel like that makes sense. And there's also guys in the draft too that we can like, maybe like a Scotty Barnes and such. Um, there's a lot of players, especially for the MLE, that I feel like the Cavs could look to add. I just think they want to focus, you know, alongside size and athleticism, maybe, you know, more versatile guys and stuff like that. But there should be a handful for, for them to look at during this free agency. Dan, I know you'd like your Patty Mills and your TJ McConnells. Uh, I think, really, I think Needle Kino will probably be available for much less than the mid-level. But is there anyone else out there right now that sticks out in your mind as a guy that you would like to target with that mid-level? I don't know about, well, this is probably too rich for him. Um, but if, if Hartenstein isn't back for whatever reason, um, just weighing in kind of the, uh, factoring in kind of the, like the leadership element as well. Um, to me, like Robin Lopez is kind of a guy I think you could maybe get for an MLE and, Honestly, like, I just think that'd be like a good, like, he's a very capable interior scorer. And I think more of like helping young guys kind of learn how to win. I think that's a guy that just kind of like an off the beaten path one that maybe if, if you can't, if something doesn't work out with Hardenstein, maybe that's a guy you look at. Just kind of yeah. like an, is kind of an off the beaten path one. Um, going in kind of a different direction. I- I'm sure that they wouldn't be really looking at it, a center necessarily there. Um, but it, it's kind of like a vet that's been around the block um, and can help Allen also is, is more of like a like an intangible sort of person too. Um, 
and could help Allen and kind of in his development on both ends of the floor. Um, and I don't know, I, I guess, yeah, a guy, yeah, I, I like what Amadou said about Neil Aquina. I, I, I'm with you. I think that that wouldn't take that nearly. Um, but at this point, yeah, I, I think there's, it's just, Backup one would would really be ideal in that sense. Um, we'll have to see. I, I'm sure there's other names that um, I, I, there's other names I'd be open to as well. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just it'll be intriguing to see where the Cavs spot does land because if they're at like seven, I could very well see them. Honestly, like everyone keeps saying, like oh, they could trade for a vet. I think it'd be uh, more entertaining to Kobe to maybe trade back. Um, if possible, and uh, this other guy on Twitter that um, Cavs sort of that we reference a lot, um, that Ralph guy or um, whatnot, oh, like he he brought up something entertaining or interesting to me today. Um, like a guy like Cam Thomas would be a guy that I think could really be like like he he made a great point could be kind of that like six man um, shot hunter guy that that would be very uh, interesting as well. Mm-hmm. You know who has size at the uh, backup point guard position, don't you, Dan? Uh, go for it. Justice Winslow. Bring in Justice Winslow. Let's do it. You got a full mid-level. Don't give him all that. But, hey, just saying. Go anyway, for we'll it. move on. Uh, again, that, that, I, I, get, I get the rationale. Like, I wouldn't be, like, displeased if that were what they were going for. Um, but, I, again, I just... We know. I understand. I understand the concerns. And if he could stay healthy, I would be all for it. I just I, that's just the only question. That's all. That is, yeah, it's a very valid question, and we don't know the answer to that. Just kind of looking around a little bit more, though. When we talk about you know Jared Allen, uh, did note the Jared Allen, and obviously you know he's speaking on behalf of the players. He, the, the players aren't speaking themselves, but just kind of going through some other notes, he did say that Jared Allen loves it here, and that you know he wants to be here. Uh, obviously, the Cavaliers want him to be here. Uh, didn't go into m- many details as far as you know what an extension will look like and whether they plan on extending him before we get to free agency or not. But um, we are going to pause here because my Wi-Fi is... Can you guys hear me? I got yeah, it. I hear fine. Okay, my Wi-Fi cut out for a second, but we're back now. Okay, so we're good. Uh, but anyway, yeah, basically just saying that Jared Allen wants to be here. Um expect something to get done whether it happens you know before he reaches free agency officially or they reach something ahead of time but um looking at other things uh talks again just about internal development and talking about Darius Garland um talking about how they saw some really you know I'm not going to say it on the podcast but holy bleep moments from him uh again just praising all of those guys talking about his belief in Okoro um and how he believes that Okoro will eventually be able to hit threes at a high level, uh, which is, you know, encouraging to hear. And obviously, you know, we've talked a lot about that on here as well. Uh, and just obviously his inconsistencies that he's had, but the form being decent um, and some work, some workable issues that he has, um, but just the ability that we've seen to hit some more difficult shots off the dribble uh, and sidesteps and such. Uh, there's definitely optimism there and hearing him say that was just nice to hear if nothing else. Uh, and then we got the Jason Lloyd questions, which were a treat just because Jason Lloyd is just, I don't know, I feel like you can just kind of tell based off of that that he's just not a pleasant person. Um, and maybe that's harsh to say, I don't know. But just comes in because, you know, everybody's asking questions and, you know, everyone kind of says a hi or hello beforehand or, you know, at least just doesn't sound like a jerk. And he just comes straight in with, you know, all these kind of just accusation type questions rather than like actual questions uh, complaining about how, you know, he didn't have press conferences throughout the year talking about Andre Drummond and Kevin Love and Kevin Porter and whoever else, uh, all situations, which you can argue um, how well they handled. Uh, obviously they chose to handle the Kevin Porter situation internally. Uh, we don't really know enough to comment on that um, with the Kevin Love situation. Again, you can argue as to how they should have handled that. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that a press conference would have been the way to do that. And uh, also kind of got into the whole Drummond situation and not talking about why he didn't talk about that. Um, basically saying that, you know, kind of confirming what I kind of felt 
to be was the situation the whole time, which was after the Jared Allen trade, like obviously Andre just didn't really want to be here. And I think that was pretty obvious from his play on the floor uh, and was professional about it. Um, the front office and Drummond and his representation being his agent uh, kind of just came to the resolution that, you know, they would sit him out until they found out a way to move on from him, whether it was a trade or a buyout. Uh, and that was something that was agreed on by both sides. It wasn't, you know, the Cavaliers forcing him to sit. Um, and Kobe Upland also coming out and saying in the uh, conference that it was Andre's choice to sit, uh, that that was not something that he had to do. And that just kind of showed, you know, his commitment to being a professional there, um, that he that he chose to, like, sit with the team even when he was sitting out waiting for a trade or buyout, uh, that he wasn't away from the team. He was still with the guys, still, you know, in huddles during games. Uh, and just kind of praised his professionalism throughout the whole process. So, again, you know, say what you want about the handling of situations like that with Kobe, but with some context, which is, again, like what I kind of thought all along, but um, with the context of that, you know, I think the whole situation was obviously just, uh, the way that Kobe put it was a calculated risk. And I think that's exactly right. I mean, they they gave up a not great second round pick to get him. Um, and it brought some promising results early on, and then they found a better opportunity in Jared Allen and went with that and decided to move on. Um, some other little notes just about uh, the stability of J.B. Bickerstaff and Kobe Altman. Uh, Chris Fudor kind of asked about Altman's uh, stability in the front office. Um, didn't get a direct no that he uh, wasn't on the hot seat, but kind of doesn't sound like he is. Uh, talking about his relationship with Dan and, like I said, didn't didn't give any confirmation that his job was safe and I probably purposely avoided saying that it was, but really didn't make it sound like there was any real sense of urgency or that, you know, he was really on the hot season, at least for now. Uh, and kind of the same with JB, talking about um, just giving him credit for, you know, dealing with the odd circumstances of this season and really praised him for development of the end of the bench, guys like Dean Wade, guys like Lamar Stevens. Um just kind of giving him props as to, you know, not only on the court um, and culture setting, but just being a really, really good developmental coach. So overall, that was those were the main takeaways from from my end on this whole thing. Uh, do you guys have anything else? Nope. I think you hit them all, hit them all in the head, man. Yeah. Bravo. <laughs> um, well, anyway. We continue to move on. Uh, obviously, our, our, our good friend of the uh, podcast here, Sam Amico, didn't like anything that was said because when does he ever like anything with this team? Uh, has to come out with his reports afterwards talking about, and obviously argued Sam Amico's sources all you want, but um, basically just coming out and saying that one source inside of the Cavs, uh, whether he's inside of the Cavs actually or you know what role he's in is obviously... Not clarified, but um, saying that the organization is, again, a bleep show. Um, saying that he's also spoken to several players outside of the organization who have expressed the same type of sentiments as to how dysfunctional he thinks they are. And um, overall, how do you kind of view the two sides here? Because I think, obviously, they are two extremes, and the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Um but which side do you guys lean towards as, you know, kind of you hear a report like this after a press conference like this in which obviously the negative Cavs reporters of the world being the Sam Amico's, the Jason Lloyd's. Um, I don't know. I think I kind of know the answer to this, but which way do you kind of lean? And I'll start with you on this one, Dan. It's just hearing a report like that. Do you take anything from it after hearing this press conference? Ugh. Yeah, I, it's... I think it's just more so uh, him thinking that he's just kind of frustrated that he didn't really get the answers he was looking for. Um, seems like his searching for that kind of big shakeup thing from Altman. Uh, but again, it's hard to take a whole lot from these things just because what is Altman really like? What, what is he supposed to say? Like the entire season was a disaster. I, I, I didn't really take much from that at all. I mean, whether or not Cavaliers nation wants to aggregate it, I'm, I'm not really reading much into that. 
And obviously, I mean, what I'm sure Amico was hurt that he didn't actually get invited to the press conference. Um, he's made it clear in the past uh, that he's very upset about not being invited to these types of things. But um, I mean, when you when you look at this, and obviously um, the reports were kind of, in my opinion, created almost out of thin air uh, with the whole. You know, the front office is very quiet right now. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with Kobe Altman's job. We don't know what's going to ha- We don't know what's going to happen because everything's so quiet. And why is it so quiet? Uh, and then there's a very real, a very believable reason as to they just took a week off after a long and kind of probably stressful and complicated season just with all the extra stuff that went into it. Um, where do you kind of fall on hearing reports like this? Um, reports re- uh, referring to Amico, correct? Like the Amico report. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I don't really understand it. Honestly, I feel like, <sighs> it's just, it's at this point, I think it's just trying to be negative here. I mean, it's a lot to build on from the season, and the season, like you just stated, was a, a difficult one. You know, there's a lot of circumstances that the Cavs had to overcome. Um, I mean, how can you look at the season and be negative about it? We saw improvements from, all of their players, mainly, you know, unless, except for, obviously, you know, the, the obvious, like, Jetty Osmond and such, Kevin Love, but he was injured. We have a court to build on. We have an offseason where we're going to have a top seven pick, hopefully. Um, we do have that Emily that we can use to go out and add some, you know, real impactful players. And those core type of guys are just going to continue to get better. I don't know how you can just look at all of that and still be negative. And, and the thing that that really, you know, kind of irks me is it the most is just, what Amico was talking about, I feel like it's just all speculation, referring to an inside source saying this is a bleep show. Um, like, that, you have no idea exactly. who that person that inside be, of the Cavs is. It could be the it janitor be, or something who's just yeah. watching the games, you know, thinking, oh, wow, the Cavs are losing too much. And the other thing is several players outside of the team, you know, don't think it's going well. So well, two I mean, players who got cut in the preseason or exactly. whatever got traded at the deadline. Who didn't exactly. have the most pleasure. Like, you asked Isaiah Thomas what he thought of his stay in Cleveland, <laughs> and he told you it wasn't good. Exactly. So I just that just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the team has a lot to build on, and I'm, I'm excited for what the future has to hold. Yeah, I, I think it, it's kind of funny that, like, and obviously the Joe Vardens, the Jason Lloyds come out with, you know, some negative pieces. And, like, they're kind of annoying sometimes and unnecessary, but it's whatever. But it's always Sam Amico who has these reports from inside the organization that talk about, you know, what a disaster this franchise is. And it's just kind of funny that it's only him with these inside reports and that they always seem to be conveniently timed like this one right after a press conference with Kobe Altman that he wasn't invited to. Like, it almost just seems like he's just mad and he has to tweet something because he's left out of the picture and he's got to get back in somehow. So, I don't know. It is what it is, but um, overall, like, I think it was good to hear from Colby Altman, you know, and obviously he's not going to reveal a lot of inside stuff, but it is kind of nice just to hear where his mind's at and, you know, get at least a general idea of what their plan is. Like I said, I think we get some real useful information away to, to, to take away from this, especially with Kevin Love, just hearing, you know, whether you like it or not, that he probably is going to be here. Um, it is valuable, um, so... Yeah, I think I think we've pretty much hit on on everything that needs to be said there. Um, I guess that leaves us with a trade to get into. Um, for those that listened to the last episode, there we talked about the uh, kind of six, seven, eight range prospects. Um, we apologize. We originally had about twenty more minutes of that podcast that we recorded uh, talking about a couple different Bleacher Report trades uh, that we had found. Uh, we, the audio file for that uh, did not get saved, so we did end up losing some of that. So again, I apologize. Uh, you didn't miss too much terrible, you know. Like it was, we basically talked about why the Cavaliers shouldn't trade for Eric Bledsoe for obvious reasons, and why the Wizards are probably not going to trade for Kevin Love for obvious reasons. So again, if you kind of thought that the last episode ended abruptly and kind of in a weird spot, that's why we did end up losing some audio. So I do apologize for that. But uh, we're back with more. Strange, confusing, unrealistic, bad Bleacher Report Cavs trades. Um, this time with the Knicks, uh, labeled Knicks Ad Scoring, Cavs Ad Assets. The Cavaliers receive Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, uh, the number 21 pick in this draft via Dallas, and the number 32 pick via Detroit for, you guessed it, Colin Sexton. 
just after this, uh, and I'm, I'm sure this came out before the, the press conference. Actually, I'm not 100% sure. But um, just after we get a press conference basically confirming that uh, Colin Sexton will not get traded this offseason, we get a, a wonderful, wonderful, spectacular trade in which the Cavaliers get Obi Toppin as the best asset for Colin Sexton. So uh, I'll, I'll lob this one to you first, Dan. Why, why, why should the Cavs... Why should or shouldn't the Cavs do this? I guess is the way that I will put that. Yeah, I'm going to say no. Um, Obi Toppin, yuck. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even going to get into that. Um, hard pass, hardest pass possible. Uh, not at all impressed me in any way whatsoever. Um, so that's a no. Uh, the 21st pick. Um, I guess if you give up Sexton, you're targeting a guy maybe like a uh, maybe like a Cam Thomas, uh, maybe like a Trey Mann. Um, both knockdown shooters. Like I can understand that in that sense, but I'm not going to say either of those guys can be starters for like a probably good while. Um, and. I don't know the thirty-two. Um, it's it's hard to exactly say. Maybe you're looking at a guy like a uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, that's a guy who does interest me to an extent. Um, is kind of like a bench, like solid role player that on the interior, um, kind of at the forward finishes well. Um, heady player, not not really a floor spacer at this point, but team defense is good. Uh, there's guys kind of like that that I'd be looking at. Um, some kind of developmental players that could develop into nice rotational pieces but have a ways to go. Um, and, and I don't really know how he would fit in right now. Um, if that's kind of a – I would imagine you're, you're going guard guard forward, guard big in that case. So, yeah, I, I'd rather – I'd probably rather not add a second rookie that late um, if unless you're getting – a guy that is in like the, the range that they're in right now, not in a trade back. Um, but it's a possibility. Maybe they were, if they were to kind of like look to buy one, um, we've hit on guys like Jason Preston is if you don't add a, a one in free agency. Um, but yeah, I'd rather not give up Sexton for basically three developmental pieces. Um, Obi top. And I, I really do question what, what, there's going to be out of him uh, other than like some flashes of like above the rim stuff and heady cutting. I, I don't, I just don't see how he's a viable rotational player. Um, I, I, I think he's got a ways to go. Um, and with defensive question marks around him, I, I don't know how, how he's ever going to contribute there here in theory. I don't see it. And this situation, I you're just you're just blowing up the Sexton thing again in the locker room. I'm not a fan of it. This is a team that is looking to make like a step up. This to me does not do that. Um, is again a, a chemistry like huge issue. I, I wouldn't be doing that for this. Um, you, you better get a you better get like probably realistically two guys that can really get buckets at those spots and I don't see it. Um, and I, again, you, you better get a real knockdown shooter that is going to come in from day one and is going to light it up. And I don't, I, I can't say that you're with, getting that yeah. at the 21st pick. It's not going to happen. Uh, you're losing some second, you're losing some secondary playmaking. Um, you're losing just a guy that, Frankly, is your tone setter, and I, I'm gonna pass on this hard, 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 hard pass. Obviously, Obi Toppin will be entering his second year. Uh, Kevin Knox will be in the fourth year of his rookie yeah, contract. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not even touching on Kevin Knox in this. Like, just no, not, like, even, not even worth Kevin, talking about. Kevin Knox is just a flyer as a, a, a forward yeah. type yeah. shooter um, who is in the last year of his contract. So you do just kind of get a free look at him. Um, both of those guys do play the forward spot. Um, Obi definitely best as a power forward. Kevin Knox maybe best as a power forward. And you're taking out a guard and adding to that log jam. I'm not sure if any of those guys. I think 
one of the biggest problems for Obi Toppin this year is just playing behind Julius Randle. Uh, there hasn't yeah. really been a consistent role for him. Uh, that's not going to be here in Cleveland, and it's going to be the same with Kevin Knox. There's just not going to be a role for these guys. Uh, you, you talk about not wanting to add, you know, all these rookies um, this year with second-round picks. I'm kind of in the same camp just because, again, the Cavaliers are kind of going to be in a roster crunch here. Like, they don't have yeah that many open roster spots, and you're going to trade one guy for four. Like, if these were future right. picks, I might be a little bit more interested. But the fact that, like, both of these picks conveyed this year – yeah, uh, you're going to have to exactly. roster both of them along with two players. Uh, just makes that part makes it kind of just unrealistic, even more so for me. Um, are you kind of in the same camp here, Amadou? Do you think like is there anything here that really interests you? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting trade. I was just kidding. Um, I just even if you don't watch any basketball at all, I don't know how you can look at this trade and see this trade as fair. I mean, you're trading a guy who with legit all star potential who had just put up 24-4 and four on super-efficient shooting for a first-year player who's older than the guy you're trading away, a, a, a former top-ten pick who's already out the rotation in two late, uh, late first-round pick and in an early second. I just – this is as backward as it gets, honestly. I just don't understand where they fit on the Cavs. Unless Obi Topping, excuse me, comes in and puts up 20-10 and 10, um, – I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I really do not get this trade at all. Yeah, I just again, there's, there's not consistent roles for these guys. Um, there would definitely be a consistent role for Colin Sexton in New York. Like, I think that's a fantastic fit. Um, I think he'd do great there. But uh, it's just a guy who can provide more offense and can also space the floor. But um, Dan, I'm interested to hear. Obviously, we've talked plenty about uh, Obi Toppin on this, on this podcast. Um, talked plenty about how he wouldn't figure it with his team. I think that is pretty clear now, especially. Um, but just looking at your your expectations of the type of player that Obi Toppin was going to be coming into the league, um, has he met your expectations? Did like did, did you kind of see this coming? Did you think he was going to be better? Do you think he's going to be worse? Where did how has he played compared to how you expected him to play? Well, I think this it was just kind of a tough situation for Toppin to come into. I'm not really going to grill him for how it's been. It's it's just been a fight for – I mean, you're playing behind the, the MIP guy um, pretty much. It's just hard to get minutes. And um, it, it's – I thought he would have been – like, I didn't – they were rumored to be interested in him, so I'm not going to say it was like a complete uh, shock. But he's kind of been how I thought it would be. And I – for a guy that was supposed to supposed to like come in and, and score, it's like again the shot like there were flashes of spacing potential, but it the shot just looks really bad. Um, I, I don't really know else to put it. And defensively, he still, if you watch the film, really does have problems. Still, um, the off ball feel is just not there at all. And he's in what was a, a top three defensive efficiency team. I, I, I just like, he's got to like get going on that developmental curve. Like it, it's not getting any, like, like he's not getting any younger and I, him is a potential calf. Like just absolutely, absolutely not. Like I, I don't see the guy honestly getting a second contract. I, I just, I, you don't see Obi Toppin getting a second contract. I, I don't you think see he's going to go the way of Kevin Knox or you think he's going to be I don't, worse than Kevin Knox. Uh, well, like Kevin Knox at least has like, there's some flashes of shooting and the problem is the top and he's never really going to be a guy that can just like affect games without the ball. He's going to need the ball in his hands. And I don't see him being able to beat NBA level forwards. that are like at all good. And he's basically been picked to be like a potential star down the road or, like at least good starter, and I don't see it at all whatsoever. I, I don't think teams really are that interested in him either. I mean, I, I, of course, I'm probably being harsh, but he's going to be a minimum guy after that contract's up. That's the point. I'm interested to hear where you weigh in this time. Do you think? Do you think that Obi Toppin is going to get a second contract? I'm I'm certainly going to say yes, even if it is a minimum. Um, I don't know. I think he provides enough value as. Like, a lob threat clearly on offense uh, who I think will eventually be able to provide something 
as far as shooting goes. Like, it doesn't look great, but, like, he has shown the ability to hit some from outside. Um, like, I, I just think he has enough offensive, like, potential and ability. And yes, I think Knox clearly has, like, some viability as a shooter, even if he really doesn't have anything else. But I think there's there's enough well-roundedness to Obi Toppin's game on offense to where, like, I think... Like, if Jabari Parker got a second contract uh, that was, like, $20 million, like, I expect Obi Toppin to get something after this rookie deal expires. Um, where are you at on this? Yeah, I definitely do believe he'll get a second contract. Um, how much he'll get, I don't think it'll be anywhere near Jabari's, but I do expect him to get a, a second contract, like you guys said. He does show some flashes of good shooting. He's an above-the-rim type of guy. Um, the only thing really holding him back... I mean, aside from the defensive end, obviously, is his age. You know, he's already 23 years old. So by the time he's up for an extension, he'll be, what, 26, 27? The, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Daniel. I think actually, I think the pick from, from the get-go was, was not really a good pick. And I kind of attribute this situation similar to the Magic, you know, taking Mo Bamba at fifth, not knowing that Nikola Vucevic was going to have the season he had. Mm-hmm. The that's a, that's actually a really good comparison. Yeah. So this is essentially, you know, the same type of situation. Hopefully he can be a nice bench role player for you. I don't know if he's he's fit to play the three position. Um, and obviously the four position is locked up by Julius Randle as of right now. So but I, def- I definitely do believe he'll get a second NBA contract. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And like I said, Dan, you think, like you, you think he could get a minimum, right? Yeah, I'll say like he, he provides that. No, he I'll provides say at least he that can... much value. I'll say he can get a minimum based off of like athleticism, but at that point, what is he going to be? Twenty six already. I, I just, I, I just really don't get the allure with Hoppin. I really don't get it at all. Like he, he makes some like, like okay, he's six nine and can dunk. Oh my god! Wow, great. Like defensively, he's a train wreck. Doesn't know what in. Th- God's name he's doing, frankly, and is in a pretty ideal situation for that and doesn't have a clue on that and like zero clue. And the shot like that shot looks horrible. It just looks awful, like terrible. And this is a guy that had a late growth spurt that was a guard in the shot list. It's just awful. It's 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 horrible. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, there's not much there to work with. And he's not getting any younger, and lateral quickness is nothing, like just zero. So if you don't have any of that, and you can't shoot, you're not going to get that many dunks. Like, like you're not just against starters, you're not getting dunks. Like, he's, his off-ball feel is not that good. So I feel like I that has been a way for him it. to get most of his dunks. So, like, I think he has pretty decent off-ball feel on offense. Like, he's, he's a timely cutter and can get there, and that's like, those kind of, like, weak side cuts, you know, for lobs is, like, how I feel like he's gotten most of those dunks this year. I guess, but, I mean, you're. I guess you get two of those a game. I, I don't, like, he just can't do anything on ball in the NBA. Like, there, there is very little there to work with, and I don't know how much longer, like, Derrick Rose has left. Like, he plays off of him, like, his gravity as a driver, Uh the rolling feels not very good. Not a, not an impact screener much um, at the NBA level, and I don't know. They're they're he's got a long way to go, and he's not getting younger. So I, I just I, I think I see minimum guy. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the shot is is obviously the the whole swing skill, but unless he vastly improves defensively, I just I don't see him being more than minimum guy. I don't see it. That's fair. Because Julius Randle, obviously, like, that's, like, their dude. So Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, I, I think whatever Obi's NBA future is going to be, it's not going to be with the Knicks. Like, there's just – there is no role for him there. But, um, yeah. Do you guys got anything else before we get out of here? Um, just quick. Did you guys see Colin Sexton's new hairstyle? Colin Sexton's new well, hairstyle. What are you saying that uh, like dribbling video thing? Yeah, I, I like not it personally. This. I think I'd like to see that like in season. I think it's yeah, sick. Me too. It's it's similar I to Darius Garland's and Isaac Caro's. Yeah, I like it. I, okay. I'd like to see. I'd like to see that. Where, where did you uh, see and I'd this? like to um, see. 
It was a Cavs, like, if you go on Cavs Twitter, it's, it's like, okay. a video, uh, was it, like, a week ago, maybe? I feel like it was, like, that. Really? I bit. missed it. Huh. I think so. I think he had a picture. It was, like, um, one of these, I, I saw it on Instagram. He had, like, a sponsorship type of thing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and that's where I saw the new hair stuff. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of it, too. I, see, I'd like to see Ice with, like, the, the hair, like, the fro mm-hmm. look, too. It, it happened a couple games. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just oh, like, like an, the... it, it adds it adds like an inch. It's like with Jared Allen. I'm not finding the uh, Colin look here, but uh, let me let me check. Let me scroll down the Cavs Twitter page. I don't know. I'll, I'll find it later. I'm sure I will. I'll admit but, the um... Cavs the Cavs Twitter is kind of lacking. Like they they need like. More presence there. They're not the best in the league. Um, like it's, it's I don't think not, they're the worst either. Great. But you got some. It's not you great. got some good NBA Twitter teams, and you have some less good NBA Twitter teams. And I won't say the Cavs are one of the worst, but they're kind of. Ugh. They're below average. <laughs> they're below average. That's fair. Like like Memphis is great. The Suns Memphis are great. Is good. I think the Blazers are pretty good. Uh, the Kings yeah. are obviously the Kings. Like that that they focus more on. They commit. More to that in their scouting department, I think, so to speak, <laughs> than than like the players. <laughs> I, I give credit pretty good too, but yeah, I I can't do the heat culture like heat well, Twitter I mean, it's, crap. It's irritating that is, but like they it's are just very like beyond... engaged with like the heat Twitter fan base, like that, like just level of engagement is basically what I'm saying. Did, did they recently put up any polls about like Tyler Tyler Hero like? Oh my James god, Harden that's what we have to talk about. Like that, I'm gonna take I don't see any from that, here. but I am going to take my victory lap here. I have I feel like I was early on the Tyler Hero is not that good train. And here we are, like and it is wonderful. Like it is wonderful. Don't trade the guy for James Harden. <laughs> Sheesh. Man, um, well, yeah, that, that, that whole that thing was. was was not not a great look. I just had to get that in there. Like I like and I, I don't again, I don't the purpose of this show is not to like little NBA players. I just don't think he's that good of a basketball player, and like everyone treats him like well, treated him like the second coming of like LeBron James or Steph Curry. Like Steph Curry actually is like a decent comparison for the second coming as far as what people were expecting, and like he's just not that. I'm sorry, but um, Jordan Clarkson won Sixth Man of the Year. I guess that's something fun. Shout out to yeah. Jordan Clarkson. For sure. Um, I still thought it should have been Joe Ingles. I don't know where you guys you are so? at on that. I think the problem was Joe Ingles started a bunch of games this year. So yeah, he's he still did. eligible, though. Eh. Were you saying something there, Amadou? Oh, I just said, um, yeah, Joe Ingles. I think the reason why he didn't win is because he started a bunch of games. That's all I, that's all I said. That's fair. Yeah. So. Like I, said, I think Jordan Clarkson is deserving. And I think he's more like the traditional pick as just like a bucket getter off the bench. Like, I think Joe Ingles was probably the more impactful player. But, um, yeah, that's fair. I, like, I, I understand and appreciate Jordan Clarkson winning, and I'm happy for him, obviously, as a former Cav. But, uh, with that, I think we will get out of here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Ramadou, as always, for hopping on. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. Um, Leave a rating, leave a review if you're listening on Apple. It helps out the show, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.